Good morning, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to Wrong Think Radio. I'm your host, Aaron, broadcasting from just outside the nation's capital in beautiful northern Virginia. And I'm Alan, coming to you from the lovely and overcast greater Seattle metropolitan area. And this is Wrong Think Radio. This is our two-hour live program that we're bringing you guys every single week. And this time, we're uh, definitely trying. Uh, we're trying out Rumble. We decided to become part of the cool kids since everybody's doing it. Uh, no, really, uh, in reality, this is by request of a lot of our listeners that were saying that our previous um, technology being uh, Podbean at the time, uh, it just wasn't working. It kept dropping people. Uh, they were just they were having a bad time, and we want you guys to have a good time. Um, so we definitely brought everybody out here. Uh, want to hope uh, that you guys are all having a wonderful weekend, but we'll see how this works out. There's going to be some hiccups, obviously, because new technology, but bear with us. Give us your feedback and your thoughts i just want to double check and of course the greatest part and one of the biggest requirements that we have is that we do have a live chat and i've already seen that the majority of our discord community has slid over to our live chat on rumble uh which is absolutely right. fantastic but let me know how the sounds coming and make let me know that you guys can hear alan as well because i always have to double check those kinds of things otherwise uh fun show but um not fun show at the same time because there appears to be what I would call an attack on conservative media. Like a full court press, very different than the normal, like, oh, hey, you know, obviously there's always kind of been attacks on conservative media. But there's been a lot of movements in the last couple of weeks uh, that we've seen that I think really call um, what really should create a concern for a lot of people uh, when you – you take a look at what's happening. You had Tucker Carlson is getting booted out of Fox news, which is, it makes zero sense as far as a business decision goes. Um, I'll pause there because I feel like Alan, you might actually have a lot of uh, like thoughts on that prior to getting to some of the other examples. Um, mm. But, but Fox boots out one of their top people. <laughs> they're their top contributor. Their top men. They're one of their top men, but they, they boot out, their top, um, what would you call it, a contributor? Yeah. Zero explanation whatsoever. Um, like, make it make sense. Why Why would they do this? That's a very good question. And I think it's it's not something that is, hap that is unique. Over the last few years, we've seen numerous large businesses like Fox News, necessarily, not necessarily media companies exactly, but they're in there. Lots of large corporations and companies over the last few years have this weird habit of doing things, supporting things, firing people, hiring people, and conducting ad campaigns that seem to be completely at odds with the profit motive. If you wanted to, if your whole goal as a business was to make as much profit as possible, you wouldn't fire Tucker Carlson. You wouldn't do things like shut down internet sites. You wouldn't ban people on social media. You wouldn't, say, throw all of your corporate weight behind Black Lives Matter. You wouldn't do a lot of these things. And so there's this odd disconnect, seemingly, between what actions that all of these companies should be taking in a free market system, which would be maximizing profit for their shareholders, and they're ignoring that duty in favor of something else. Or they feel like taking action, some of these actions that are massively unpopular and hurt their own revenue streams, somehow that is actually more valuable than increasing the share price for, share, for all of their stockholders. 
and it's hard to know exactly what that could be, especially with the firing of Tucker Carlson and Fox. I don't really understand how Fox at all benefits from, from getting rid of Tucker Carlson. It seems like they're only hurt. It seems like if I was a shareholder of Fox, I would be furious that they did this, especially when there's not been a necessarily an explanation. Now, there are, there, I do have some theories as to why this could be, but none of those necessarily, I feel, hold up based on what we currently know. I think the best case scenario for why Tucker Carlson was let go, giving the most amount of goodwill to Fox corporate, is that there is currently a lawsuit that someone has filed against Tucker Carlson about sexual harassment or something. It's very, it's completely frivolous. But I could see people at Fox News looking at this and saying, it doesn't matter how frivolous or non-frivolous this lawsuit is, just like with Kavanaugh, they're going to use it to embarrass Tucker Carlson and destroy his reputation. Mm-hmm. And then we are going to be forced to fire him regardless after this scandal because we're, I don't know, feckless business people and we'll be forced to fire him. If we fire him now, before, the, before this trial and all these allegations breaks, we will get ahead of the curve and he will be basically be, leave without being disgraced. If we fire him after this big, what, what possibly is a big impending uh, hullabaloo by the left by the leftist media, if we fire him after that, it will look like he's guilty. If we fire him before that, it takes the wind out of the sails of this whole coordinated campaign to attack and destroy Tucker Carlson. That's the best case scenario I can think of. Other than that, it is Tucker Carlson was getting too close to the truth. Executives at Fox News are basically paid off shills for the globalist schemes, and they fired him because he was waking too many people up. It's kind of either one or the other. <laughs> either, and, and, and I don't know which way it goes. I would hope that it's the former, that Fox News corporate said, we're going to let Tucker Carlson go before a big media firestorm uh, to, take, to, neuter this, to, to neuter that response by the left and, and allow him to keep his reputation and not have to, quote, leave in disgrace, or at least that's how a lot of uh, left-wing media outlets would paint it, will essentially deny the left a victory by letting him go early because we're going to – we see the, the tea leaves and we're going to be in a position where we're forced to let him go and he would be disgraced. So, Hopefully that's it, but at the same time, it wouldn't, it wouldn't surprise me to find that a bunch, of, a bunch of people have become shareholders of Fox recently – that are now clamoring to leave to get rid of Tucker Carlson because they're actually uh, globalist leftists and are very upset that he's bringing attention to Dominion, to, to the COVID narrative. And I could see also a lot of this being in the run-up to the 2024 election, trying to get rid of Tucker Carlson because he's effective. So I don't um, know which way it goes, but uh, actually it, it is that. It is I think that it is in the run-up to the 2024 election, the left wanted Tucker Carlson gone. Either they're going to make force him out via scandal and frivolous lawsuits um, or and Fox let him go early or they directly did it um, because the executives at Fox were um, basically co-opted. So I think regardless, it is somebody wanted Tucker Carlson gone before the 2024 election. The yeah, the big, I, I know people have have referenced this lawsuit and I just so for people don't um, aren't really aware of this because it's not something that's spoken out a lot. But uh, 
there's lawsuits all the damn time. Um, when it comes to like, if you're a major media figure, uh, you're going to get sued all the time for all sorts of things. And a lot of times they're going to be frivolous. In fact, a lot of times it's actually easier for people to settle lawsuits, which, um, mm -hmm. idiots, I'm just going to flat out say it. idiots, even idiots in the media will lie because a lot of people in the media are actually lawyers. Um, they'll lie and pretend that settling equals guilt. And in reality, it's settling is cheaper sometimes than battling the suit because it may take years, um, as we've seen. But just so everyone's aware of the lawsuit that Alan is talking about, the lawsuit is brought on by Abby Grossberg. And uh, this is the New York Times coverage of that lawsuit. Uh, this is their headline. In a lawsuit, Tucker Carlson is accused of promoting a hostile work environment. Carlson's former head of booking, Abby Grossberg, or Grossberg, uh, said that male producers regularly used vulgarities to describe women and frequently made anti-Semitic jokes. Um, it continues uh, in this New York Times article, or let's see, as she said, uh, there was an aspect of, I can pick who the speaker is, I can pick who the president of the United States is, pick who the Republican candidate is going to be. I thought that was very dangerous and I didn't and I didn't want that kind of power. I didn't want to have Senate candidates calling me and being very upset. Are you going to destroy our whole campaign tonight? Because he could do that. He could call and tell them uh, that if they don't come on the show, we will destroy you. So that's according to Abby Grossberg, which, uh, of course, this doesn't come out until Really just now, like just now we start seeing this. Isn't that, isn't that fascinating? This all seems to be happening at the same time. Uh, well, it turns out the real fun part here is Abby Grossberg's lawyers had to confirm that she never actually met Tucker Carlson ever. She worked for Fox News. She booked for Tucker Carlson. She just literally ne <clears throat> never met him. Uh, yeah, so the, this, again, like much like the whole Kavanaugh mm -hmm. lawsuit, which we all watched as the left completely baselessly tried to destroy his character and prevent him from becoming a Supreme Court yeah. judge, it's the same tactics at play here. Mire it down in lawsuits, use the fact that there is a lawsuit to prove that he's guilty, and when the truth comes out months from now, the retraction is printed on, like, you know, the 10th page in in tiny print and nobody notices the damage is done. The right. goal is to is to create a media firestorm because left wing people will think that it's all true. Mm -hmm. And that's the goal. The goal is to I... basically muddy the water so much that Tucker Carlson now will forever would forever be known as this horrible sexual harasser, much like Kavanaugh is known as, oh, like if you ask anyone on the left, they're 100 percent certain that he's absolutely guilty, even though all of those claims were completely baseless. I will say this much. Um, I think that I think that this law, the lawsuits BS, we already know that. I think a lot of it is to get information. I think the entire point of this lawsuit is for the discovery phase. So the left can get a hold of text messages and emails and then put them out out of context because the plan to get him booted out of Fox News was in place a while ago. This lawsuit is to destroy him af as he goes independent of Fox News. I think it's a two-pronged effort. 
Um, And it is, and it's, you were getting to the greater part of it, which is not just with Tucker Carlson. He's not, he's not special or unique in this situation. It is a large scale effort that we are seeing from the left to destroy anybody who is even relatively effective in conservative media heading into 2024, because here's a couple of other examples. So not only did Fox get rid of their top contributor, their, their top show who was dominating like record setting in viewership for news channels uh, in the evening. So not only did they get rid of that, they got rid of their top weekend host, which would be Dan Bongino. Now, according to Dan Bongino, he says that they just couldn't come to terms um, on a contract. Well, I I get that. And I understand the, the politeness of it and the sort of normalcy of being like, yeah, we just couldn't come to terms, what have you. But if you're Fox and you're facing down a lawsuit from Dominion that's, you know, projected at a billion dollars, um, and let's be honest, I don't think that somebody just woke up one day and fired Tucker Carlson. I feel like that was something uh, that had been in the works. Why would you get rid of the other top guy? Why would you get rid of the guy who, let's be fair, um, Dan Bongino does a really decent job in radio, but he's certainly not as... Um, not as a, a, what's a good word for it? Um, He's not like Tucker Carlson. He talks about the news. He has some really fun insight, but he doesn't really lean forward into, he doesn't get super risky. Uh, I mean, he brought up COVID stuff. He's brought up some of these other things, but he doesn't do some of the more risky stuff that Tucker Carlson's so well known for. Um, You know, like you're not going to see a conspiracy theory really on the Dan Bongino show. Uh, So why would they get, why wouldn't they, negotiate like give him basically a darling contract that he would of course absolutely agree to and go along with well because like i would like we were saying he is also very effective in a different method and well and um, i'll add another conservative host in there which was matt walsh getting hacked and all of these things are happening in the same timeline so somebody hacks Mm -hmm. matt walsh all like literally like very in-depth, all of his communications, all of his emails, all of his text messages over like the last 10 years. Um, and the media is celebrating it, right? It's like, so somebody just got into all of his stuff and is just leaking it out and it's being widely celebrated. Well, uh, Matt Walsh has been very good at identifying like the transgender stuff, of course, but one, one place where I will give him a lot of credit because he doesn't just complain about transgender stuff. He was going to school boards and convincing parents that they had the right to go in front of a school board and speak out. And honestly, and honestly, he really was the guy, at least on a national level that was convincing parents. You have every right to not be okay with this. And you have every right to bring up your frustration in front of the elected representatives at your school board. He was the guy that said, this is the local solution to this problem. And you need to go do it. Watch how I go do it. And he would go in front of a school board. And then, you know, he would post it like, you know, Matt Walsh went in front of a school board and basically laid out the case 
for why this is dangerous for kids. And I think it really, well, that and he also released What is a Woman. I He appealed, in, at least in my personal experience with people I know, something about Matt Walsh appealed a lot to that, quote, suburban female that has kids in school, that's worried about way, like where society's going, why are their t- kids being targeted? And so he was extremely effective. Um, whereas Bongino really kind of takes up the mantle more of like that Rush Limbaugh type, um, like being on the radio and, and, uh, having that three hour a day show. And then Tucker Carlson is the guy who was taking the Andrew Breitbart esque social aspect of everything else. Here's how, so how media and, uh, celebrities and society, here's how it all comes together. These are all the very different steps to the different types of demographics and audiences that you need to, and by the way, I'm not suggesting these three people all coordinate with one another, but they, they encapsulate the different demographics of why the right wing was becoming more insurgent because we have this deep bench that is actually different and focuses on different topics. And so there were a lot of demographics that were getting hit. There's a lot of young, you could probably testify to this too, Alan. There's a lot of young people that pay attention to what Tucker Carlson says to an almost shocking degree. His stuff sure. being shared on social media, it's amazing because you're like, the dude's like in his mid-50s, but there's kids that are like, oh my God, did you see what Tucker said? It's hilarious. Uh. Um, right. But to that effect, the left doesn't have that. The left has, everybody says the same damn thing. And the best that they have is there's like now two kids on TikTok that are like openly paid by the Democrat right. party to scream yeah. about guns. Yeah. That's that's very true. And so essentially what you're what you're alleging is that someone on the left looked at the right wing sort of media sphere, looked at what was effective and has been basically engaged in a campaign to try and and diminish the effectiveness of right wing media because it was being effective. Exactly. They want to take they wanted they wanted to take out the effective people because of the threat that is being posed now. Don't misunderstand what I'm saying here is I don't think that it's going to work. <laughs> well, um, certainly, but mm-hmm. essentially it is, and I don't think that this is left-wing, random left-wing activists. It is both of those groups, but again, look, we, the Spectre 2024 is coming, and what is what have the majority of increasingly popular right-wing uh, media personalities and media groups been focusing on? It's not the establishment view Mm -hmm. it is anti-covid it is anti-black lives matter it is anti-trans it is basically what would be considered more extreme right-wing views people like um it's hard because i don't watch many of these people but like sean hannity for example is much more milk toast and center than tucker carlson ever was and he is has been getting crushed in the ratings by tucker carlson yeah people that talk about these about the serious, real things we are facing. COVID, um, COVID and the transgender stuff is a good example. A lot of conservative commentators that serve the center don't really talk about those things in as nearly damning and illuminating ways as more extreme figures. And that is why those figures were becoming popular because there are very, because things like COVID, the transgender movement, are so absolutely egregious and are a serious 
point of concern that they should be talked about more, but the, a lot of the establishment right-wing media people want to avoid those sort of messy discussions. Well, I think a lo- I think there are left-wing activists that, and left-wing activists, NGOs, groups like the World Economic Forum, like that whole group would prefer that nobody focus on the big, serious issues that they are creating and instead focus more on GDP or like GDP and more traditional conservative um, media focuses. Well, let's... And I think that they want that there is this... If there is a coordinated campaign, it's they want probably want to pull the same sort of nonsense that they pulled in 2020 with the election as far as COVID and riots and all this crazy horror. And if you undermine all of that, then it puts the right in a much better position than the right simply being off balance focus because they are focusing solely on the economy or limiting government. I, well, we, we know for a fact that there was specifically it, the, um, they said the quiet part out loud. We know what mm-hmm. Tucker Carlson specifically was threatening because there was a very interesting, uh, government organization, uh, that appeared to celebrate Tucker Carlson being removed from Fox news um and uh you know alan I, I think i think you understand why okay yeah did i miss you on it no so it was no, the pentagon i'm here yeah yeah it was the pentagon it yeah. was the pentagon but what why would why would the pentagon celebrate tucker carlson being out what was what was it about the pentagon that tucker carlson seemed to um uh seemed to threaten what what was so the, the big Pent- disagreement <laughs> so the there is a pentagon spokesperson basically commented on Tucker Carlson leaving Fox with we're basically so overjoyed because he was undermining faith in the in American military military and diplomacy overseas uh, was there the big jubilant excitement was that no longer will Tucker Carlson be undermining the American military which is also is very weird it's a very weird thing for the for the Department of Defense to openly endorse essentially the muzzling of a journalist that was critical of the Department of Defense. That's um, rather unseemly, I would say. Well, and, and let's let's make sure let's make sure we're accurate. So critical of the Department of Defense, but not like that this this is where it gets a lot of fun. There's not a single left wing, there's not a single liberal out there that anyone would consider to be an actual supporter of the U.S. military. Let's just be honest. We were we were all alive, you know, five five to ten years ago, being able to see, like, all of the uh, usurpation of everything going on by the left when it came to the military. They do not like the military. If you go onto social media and see anything where they start talking about troops themselves, we're all, the, all of the soldiers, we're all white supremacists. We're all, you know, we're all the devil incarnate. We're just a bunch sure. of hicks. So understand that that's the part that's always bothered me. Under like, he, he never undermined the military. The troops love people like Tucker Carlson, but the Pentagon, the administrivia, and the deep state, as it were, absolutely hated him because he didn't undermine the quote-unquote military. What is it he undermined? What was the thing that a bunch of that that the most people 
that watched the evening news were being exposed to by Tucker Carlson that would piss off the Biden Pentagon. Ukraine? Ukraine. That's why. Well, Ukraine also, Tucker Carlson highlighted the disastrous withdrawal from Afghanistan, the promotion of transgenderism in U.S. military ranks, the uh, destruction of standards within the U.S. military. There is a lot of things about the U.S. military that have, that are, A, extremely worthy of criticism, and B, that Tucker Carlson was focusing on. It's not, I don't think it's simply Ukraine. I think it is all of the nonsense the U.S. military has been engaged in in the last decade or more that they don't want people to highlight because they would have to admit that they have become basically puppets, political pawns that are no longer serving the interests of America and are completely irresponsible with U.S. national security. Mm -hmm. Did you know that the U.S. military, by their own analysis, predicts that we will be potentially in a shooting war with China by 2030? Yes. Okay, think about that. We're going to be in a shooting war with China by 2030 because when because they predict China will try and take Taiwan. If you actually believe that, you would right now be demanding we embark on basically a giant, almost you know, moon landing level national like um, industrial program to reindustrialize industrialize the United States and prepare us for a serious world conflict. I mean, like, and the war in Ukraine has massively highlighted this. We have sent a bunch of uh, Stinger anti-aircraft missiles, the shoulder-fire anti-air missiles. We sent huge numbers out of U.S. Army stockpiles to Ukraine. And then Raytheon, the company that produces them, I'm pretty sure it's Raytheon. If it's not Raytheon, it's one of the others. But basically said, oh, we dismantled the production line for Stingers because we delivered all the U.S. Army wanted like a decade ago. And they've sat in, in stock in the stockpiles not being used. And they said, well, it's going to take us at least something like two years to rebuild the factory to make more Stinger missiles. And this is with almost everything the United States military is doing. Uh, every F-22 jet that gets grounded is being stricken from the flight, is basically being said, any F-22 jet, F-22 jet multi-million dollar fifth generation jet fighter. Anyone that gets grounded will stay grounded because the Air Force doesn't have the spare parts to keep them airworthy. Hmm. Because we don't have the factories. We don't have the industrial base. We have been so irresponsible with U.S. industrial capacity over the last, say, 50 years that we could, no, we could probably no longer fight a serious world conflict. And that's what the war on Ukraine is showing. The number of guided missiles and smart weapons that are being expended on a daily basis is an order of magnitude greater than the Department of Defense has ever considered for a future conflict. And we do not have the factory and industrial capacity to fight a serious uh, world conflict. We rely on the Air Force and the Navy and our control of essentially high technology weapon systems and probably and often special forces, to essentially, the goal is win conflicts in the first basically week. We have enough, strate our strategic depth, the amount of power we're able to project long-term is very limited. The goal is if we, if we can't wait, if we can't secure complete supremacy in like a weekend, then we're screwed. Um, 
And so if you were the Department of Defense and you truly believed that we are going to be in a shooting war with China by the end of the decade, we should be doing drastically different things. Mm-hmm. All of the all the nonsense with transgenders in the military, with white supremacy in the military, that would all take a backseat to we need a crash program to rebuild the military into a capable fighting unit to wage a serious war against a peer power. And we're not doing that. And that is the one sort of the sort of thing that people like Tucker Carlson and indeed myself criticize heavily about the military and they can't change anything because they're too politically inter- intertwined with the forces that say we need instead of instead of building more factories so we have enough missiles in a future conflict the focus is on making the entire u.s military uh, vehicle fleet electric driven so we're not using carbon <laughs> it's absolute uh, it's absolute nonsense we're a, we're a extremely silly country and we are going to pay for it uh because our leaders are incompetent and i think that's exactly why the why the pentagon was rejoicing that tucker carlson was leaving because they're the leaders of the pentagon are essentially incompetent bureaucrats who have only gotten their positions because they've been they because they kiss ass with politicians correctly and they're they they know that they're not going to do the things that need to be done and they're only there just to, until they can retire, until they can get their payout. And they don't like people focusing on that and because it makes their jobs and lives a lot harder because they have to answer for, why aren't you doing the things that need to be done? Mm-hmm. I do think in, in addition to all of that, I do also believe um, that there is a specific focus on uh, trying to change a narrative. And um, so there's obviously there's the Ukraine stuff, right? This this was something that I think they really tried to roll it out. They tried to do the whole virtue signal thing. It became, you know, like everybody on the right made fun of it as like this is the new current thing. Um, And it didn't have the same teeth. And it was because there were there were a lot of these um, uh, a a lot of these uh, commentators uh, that had large audiences that were like, wait a minute, this doesn't make sense. Wait a minute. What about this? What about all the corruption? What about all of these things? Well, there's also a revisionist history that's going on right now. And instead of me like uh, kind of uh, going on it, I have a video here, um, shockingly, of uh, Dr. Anthony Fauci made a claim earlier this week uh, because they're trying to. We've also seen this from uh, the uh, president of the teachers union, uh, Barry Mm -hmm. Weingarten or whatever her name is, um, where the sudden thing is they're like, we never we never suggested lockdowns we never suggested school closures that wasn't us um and so uh for example anthony fauci for some reason was was asked about like closures and his recommendations for lockdowns and he said go look at the tape well we just so happen to have the tape so uh here is anthony fauci demanding that we go look at the tape and uh, um, we're going to give you the tape so you can make the decision for yourself. Go and Neat. look at the tape, <laughs> you know, the tale of the tape. When I kept on saying over and over again, we've got to get the children back to school. We have to start uh, implementing both containment and mitigation. And what was done when you do closing the school is mitigation. If you have a situation in which you don't have a real good control over an outbreak and you allow children to gather together, they likely will get infected. 
And if they get infected, the likelihood that they will bring the infection home. So that really is a risk. And we don't know everything about this virus. And we really better be very careful, particularly when it comes to children. You can't treat all schools the same because they're in, they're, they're in different phases of the outbreak. It depends on where you are. There may be some areas that the level of virus is so high that it would not be prudent to bring the children back to school. Are we looking at, frankly, many months of virtual learning? In some places, Judy, that may be the case. You can't make one statement about bringing children back to school in this country. It depends on where you are. So if you want your schools to open, get your community level down. When you get into the yellow zone and in the red zone, it becomes different. You have to do certain mitigations. And he really wants to and believes that the schools need to reopen in the next 100 days, essentially all the K-8 schools within 100 days. That's the goal. That may not happen. The schools really do need more resources, and that's the reason why the National Relief Act that we're talking about getting passed, we need that. All right, you guys got the, uh, like, DeSantis war room stinger at the end of that, too. Um, yeah, all the times that we've heard Anthony Fauci say that we needed to lock down, but they're trying to change that narrative. Why are they trying to change the narrative that they didn't push for lockdowns? That it, it, it either it wasn't them or like, think about it, right? The, the whole concept here is like, <coughs> sorry. Well, we didn't push for it. Uh, you all just happened to lock down. We recommended it. We never thought that you guys would like do it though. Yeah, that is it definitely seems like there is an attempt, especially by left-wing activists uh, and or certain, it, it seems like there's definitely an attempt by left-wing people, activists, politicians, the whole works that that read the tea leaves and think and realize that the whole lockdowns, a lot of the actions they took under COVID were very unpopular. And especially, especially, I mean, due to a lot of right-wing media, having eventually the reach and courage to speak out, say, all of this was nonsense. It was never based on science. It was never done. The masks were never based on science. All of these efforts were completely contrived and not based on anything real. And they were done by, I think, just to feel good and exercise control. And I think a lot of people are waking, have been waking up to that fact. And I can see how a lot of left-wingers would start to feel very nervous because they know that they're sitting on and they have, they're maintaining an untenable position. Well, and I, I, I can't help but wonder, you know, I see things like this and I, uh, it, it, it makes me, I don't know. It, 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 it makes me worried. Number one, what the hell are they planning for 2024? Because it was one thing. It, it was one thing for the left to be like, we have to do whatever it takes to get rid of Trump. Oh, my God, I hate Trump so much. Trump is so scary, terrible, awful. It's a completely right. different situation when it's like, oh, my gosh, we have to get a, like, dementia-riddled, like, soggy bag of just nonsense elected. Like, we have to, we have to keep him elected. Like, we have to keep somebody, like... Like freaking Joe Biden 
elected. And, by the way, um, with some of the other weird stuff that's... I oh, Sorry, I'll, I'll let me let me back it up a little bit. I am terrified about what kind of crazy stuff the Democrats are going to do because the Democrats are looking completely insane right now. And it's during an election year and they've created a monster that they can't even stop. I'm going to jump over to this story real quick to give to give you all a concept of, of what I'm talking about. Um, there was a problem. There's a Colorado lawmaker. And this is just one example. There's actually several different stories just like this that I'm going to hit on. Um, but let's let's go to Colorado real quick. And Colorado's mm-hmm. trying to deal with a disparity. This comes from Red State. Um, it's They were trying to deal with a disparity that somehow exists in Colorado law when it comes to indecent exposure to children. The current law makes it a felony to expose oneself to a child. Yet, it's only a misdemeanor or sorry, the current law makes it a felony to expose oneself online to a child, yet it's only a misdemeanor if it's done in person. The Colorado District Attorney's Council wanted to change that and make it a felony if it was done in person too, which makes a lot of sense. So it came up with, so it came up as a bill in the Colorado House for a vote. Who could be against such a change in the law? You would think it would be a no-brainer. 27 Democrats voted against it. And the GOP pointed out one of the arguments against it, which was made, um, which was made by one of one of the Democrats. Here's the audio of that. These types of laws have been used to ban drag shows, to target individuals who use the restroom of the sex that they identify with, a public restroom, to charge them with felony charges. So she believes that it's going to be used to target transgenders. Okay. Because, oh, yeah, this is, this is, this is going to be used to target drag shows. And this is going to be used to target people like, uh, you know, a male going into a women's bathroom. Uh, both those things shouldn't happen. What? That's fine. It are, I'm sorry. So real quick, I was told that it was a it was a right wing conspiracy that at drag queen story hours, there would be any potential of a male exposing his genitals to a child. I was told that that's just made up nonsense. The right wing made that up. It doesn't actually happen. So why are you concerned about that? Also, a tr- like a transgender going into the bathroom. If that was the case, like this, this is the whole idea. If that was the case, then it, then I would be worried about any child being in a restroom because if I go in to go to the bathroom, someone could also claim that I'm exposing myself to them using like a urinal or something. It's just stupid. But why is it? Whenever there's a law that is meant to protect kids from from being sexualized, the Democrat Party comes rushing out of the woodwork and says, well, that's extremely anti-trans. I, I don't know. And and this is this is what the Democrat Party has to face in a 2024 election. They have to face statements like this. They have to face questions like this from regular people that are going to go. Hey guys, why? 
Right. I think that I think the Democrat Party knows exactly what it's doing. And I think that they are not making these decisions frivolously. I think they are fully aware that if you say prevent transgenders from preying on children, then you won't get as many transgenders. And they want more transgenders before because the more confused and essentially out of touch children are, the less likely they are to follow their parents and their parents' values. Like basically it's the same thing with they they the more kids that become gay, the less likelihood the, the, the more the more they can make they can turn kids gay or make sure women have abortions, the less likelihood those same people will ever support the Republican Party. Because they will essentially be self selecting out of the horrible shame of of their actions to never be able to admit they were wrong. I think that's the goal. I think the goal is to saddle people with so much shame that they become essentially slaves to your ideology, slaves to your political party. So, so do you think that this, the entire point of this is to basically they've decided that they want to have a war. They want to have a war between, um, they want to have a war between all of the, they basically they're going to go to war against like, you know, I don't know, call it Christian values, regular family, like whatever, just traditional America. We'll just say that, right. They want to go to war against traditional America. Um, and it's because yeah. they think that they're going to win. I guess because the way that they're doing this, they, they certainly act as if they believe they're going to win, which I'm going to be honest, fascinates me. Because, like, why would you think that? Um, like, people hate this. And this is the whole thing is I don't. I, I think the plan is that they're going, they think they're going to win because they're going to corrupt people so much that they will have no other choice. I think it's their only goal. They're not good. They don't, they're not going to win on their own merits. They have to corrupt people and make it and essentially impossible to do anything else. Does that make sense? Right. Well, and at the same time, though, it's like, I think that they have to. I I think that a big part of yes. the fetish, I think a big part of the fetish of a lot of this stuff, whether it's basically this whole LGBTQ, like, new thing that's come out, I think a big part of the fetish is making people angry. I think that yes. that's the fetish. Um, a good example is, uh, let me see if I can actually throw this out on, uh, on rumble so people can see it. Uh, but there, there was a, uh, in Tucson, Arizona, there was a school board meeting and a bunch of drag Queens, uh, arrived in mass to bully parents into supporting a drag drag show hosted at the local high school. Um, and to give you the idea that this had nothing to do, see the, the way that the, the way that regular people are going to look at this is they're going to go, well, I mean, these people just wanted to be accepted. They wanted to be able to do their thing. Why are we always yelling at these? Like, why are we getting upset and yelling at these people? It is kind of unfair. We really should think about it. Um, like basically stop being mean and let the love is love or whatever the nonsense uh, is that they would want to push. Well, right. I can prove to you that it had nothing, had absolutely zero to do with that by what one of the drag queens who went up to uh, speak um, decided to say. And uh, why isn't this image file coming up? 
What am I doing mm-hmm. wrong, Alan? Um, I don't know. I don't. I don't know either. Um, but here, I'll just drag and drop it, and it'll be fun. Um, but to describe it for those listening on audio, uh, this drag queen decided to wander onto the stage um, and basically looks like some sort of weird antlered demon uh, and is, in fact, wearing an aborted fetus around his neck. Not a real one. I'm pretty sure it's a fake one, but, you know. Uh, yes. Yeah. So... Yeah, the, no, a, a lot of this is tied to essentially how can we make it's, – it's basically we're attacking our enemies. Mm-hmm. They view conservative right-wing white Trump-supporting Christians as the enemy. They saw the election of Trump and were shocked because they thought, oh, my God, the great progressive project is actually in danger of horrible fascism. And now they are reacting, and the whole goal is to try is to basically demoralize and attack and do everything they can to upset their enemies, which are white conservative Christians, because those are the evil fascist Trump supporters. And all of this is done is basically anything that those people hate, they are trying to do be just simply out of spite. It's simply out of spite and the desire to demoralize their opposition. Granted, everything they believe is false. It's like, there's not some great, horrible fascist uprising. But they believe that that is the case. And so all of this makes sense when you view it as these people believe that what that if they do anything they can to attack what they see as the old United States, or what they see as anything that white conservative Christians like, they have to attack and destroy because if they attack and destroy everything that we like, then they win. And that's as simple as you need to make this. Well, and another example of this is um, there is a lawmaker in Minnesota, transgender lawmaker in Minnesota, who has introduced the Take Pride Act, which um, when you look at the text of the take pride act. A lot of it just seems to be reaffirming that you can't discriminate against LGBTQ people like for housing and blood and like all this other stuff, like the, the, the equal protections that weren't being threatened at all. You know what I'm saying? Like, like there's just, there's not, none of this is happening. Nobody's, nobody's actually like removing you from your job for being trans or, you know, removing you from your, you know, home because you're trans or LGBTQ. None of that's actually occurring. But weirdly enough, moved into this act was removing the language. There was very specific language in Minnesota's um, basically equality law that said you couldn't discriminate against people based on their sexual orientation. But there was a caveat to Minnesota's criminal code and in Minnesota's criminal code, they very specifically said that sexual attraction or attention from minor children does not count as a protected sexual orientation. They very specifically looked into the future and said, we're not going to allow pedophilia to simply become a sexual orientation. We're going to specifically carve that out in law 
that says, yes, we have all of this equality stuff, but not for that. You don't get to say pedophilia is a sexual orientation and then therefore claim that the law protects you. They had a specific carve out for that. The Take Pride Act removes that language. Yeah. Why? Like, is there, is there something in, like, I know you have your, you, you have your, uh, propagation theory, Alan, yeah. but like, is, uh, it is at the point now where six months ago, yes, the groomer thing was funny because of all the weird stuff that we were seeing. And just like, it was fun to point out and be like, you guys are weird for wanting like kids to be exposed to this. But a lot of people would see that stuff and say, well, the reason why they're doing it is they're just trying to quote, educate children about like, you know, Hey guys, there are different people, like people who may not, you know, feel like a boy or a girl. And so you kind of saw it as like, you didn't like it, but people could see it as being somewhat innocent though. Maybe not something that should be done. Well, at this point now, with all the pushback that we get where anytime something about pedophilia comes up, they call it anti-trans, and then you specifically have a lawmaker in Minnesota who needs to remove pedophilia as a sexual orientation in part of their, quote, Take Pride Act, to where it's like, oh, the groomer thing? Yeah, it's not funny anymore because it's so damn true. Yeah. There is this inherent... We're not... The groomer thing was a joke by the right wing. They are making that connection themselves. They are in the, the whole, this whole like psychopathy of the LGBTQ community needing to attack, like basically wanting to, we're, we're, we're mere months away from them demanding that churches because they have a tax exempt status have to allow a drag show. We are mere months away from that being a thing. The closer we get to 2024, yeah. that is going to happen. A church right. a church must host a drag show uh, at their mass with all of their congregants there at gunpoint or they'll lose their um or or they'll lose their tax exempt status. We are mere months away yeah. from that. That is going yeah. to happen and, and at no some point. No one should be surprised. Yeah. It, it, when those things happen, it sh- it is not at all surprising. It's simply a logical outcome of the mentality of the left designed entirely around punishing their supposed punishing and humiliating the, their hated opposition. Well, and I think that that's, um, I I mean, it's the same reason why they, why they uh, push so hard to get rid of the, of, uh, guns. Okay. They don't actually care about gun violence. Gun violence is not actually what is concerning. It's not actually what any of the bills or things they support would achieve. It's simply they see it as uh, their opposition loves guns, so they're going to hate guns. Their opposition loves children, so they're going to hate children. Their opposition, um, everything their opposition likes, they target for destruction because they hate their opposition and want them to hurt. Right. Yeah, and and it's... But I I think that that is the appeal. Like uh, we always see these statistics where people, yes. I mean, they, they shouldn't be believed at all. But um, there's these statistics where they're like, oh my gosh, like some alarming percentage of like Gen Zers or whatever identify as like LGBTQ. Um, yes, the, the 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 conservative Christian slippery slope of the '90s is completely vindicated. <laughs> 
that that uh, when you start focusing on gay stuff, everybody's going to start claiming they're gay, or the point of it is to make everybody gay. Uh, oh no, that that yeah. Well, basically saying like if we normalize um, all this gayness, then like that's going to lead to negative ramifications for the rest of society. Like that's completely vindicated. Yeah, I mean, well, when they when people were talking about like uh, gay marriage, I remember one of the things is, well, how long is it going to be until somebody uh, says that they want to marry a chicken or a duck or something like that? Yeah, I think it was like Pat Roberts. Their eyes and be like, oh my gosh, these dumb conservative Christians. And it turns out it's like, yeah, no, they they were absolutely correct in every way. That yeah, that's well, real. several years ago, I think uh, I think it was California recognized a man marrying his cat. Like it, it actually happened. That thing, that exact thing that was said, it happened. <laughs> so, yeah. Like it wasn't a duck, but you know, it was, um, which is just, just anyway, uh, simply, simply fascinating. But this is the stuff, once again, to go back to kind of the initial point, this is the kind of stuff that, um, the Democrats have to face. These are the things that they have to deal with. And these are very serious questions that they, they don't want to answer. And that I, is why I think we're seeing a lot of attacks on, I think everything that is happening in this time, you know, name any, any, any amount of, um, commentator, whether it's Tucker Carlson, Matt Walsh, Dan Bongino, Steven Crowder, um, throw, throw a, a, a dozen others in there that have had some minor things happening. These have all occurred around the same time period. And I think a lot of everything that's going on is to create this instability because what they do not want is when the normies will say, start to tune into politics soon because of the upcoming election, they can't have those voices exist because then people will go, well, like I may have voted Democrat my entire life and blah, blah, blah. But I do have a very serious question though. Like why the drag queen at my school stuff? Yeah. And they can't have people asking that because somebody might say, well, I know it's been some stories, but look, it's not happening here. Oh my God. It's probably happening in like San Francisco where everything's kind of weird. And then somebody goes, no, actually like they just had it at your high school in front of your kid and your kid was told not to tell you. And they go, well, I mean, maybe like, well, maybe it's just to teach kids to, you know, be accepting of other people. And it's like, nope, actually here's a picture of a drag queen twerking on your daughter. Um, and then giving her, uh, giving her a dildo. And then that guy goes, okay, but like why somebody needs to explain to me why I think I'm going to need a, Really good explanation why, because that's happened. Sure. Yeah. There have absolutely been parents that have been shocked at videos that come. And by the way, the only, this is another, this is another note here that, that people need to pay attention to. Parents only ever find out about this stuff. Because their kids have cell phones in their pockets and they will record video of something crazy and then it will go onto social media. Without that, the parents likely would have never known. Most definitely. And so it sucks because I don't think that kids should have cell phones in school except for the times that they're absolutely using them to protect themselves against the groomers in public schools. Right. 
So. Yeah, I, I think that a lot of this is targeted at children specifically because they want to corrupt children. So those control children will not grow up into their hated enemies, which are white Christian conservatives. Yeah. It's well, and there is, I guess we'll, we'll push on that a little bit. Like, there is absolutely an encouragement and a fetishization in this community for just specifically being outraged that like, let's be honest, Christians exist. They watched a movie one time where the angry Christian father hated his gay son and said, I wish I had no son. Ah! And that's become literally the caricature of a, of an entire religion for them though they've spoken to basically none of those people rationally and instead just screamed and yelled at them and said that they're the worst things ever. Yeah. And that's it. Like I, I just, I, you're not going to convince me otherwise that the actual point of all of this has nothing to do with anything they say. It's, uh, we're going to have a drag. Like, why are you doing drag queen sc- story hour? Uh, to piss off Christian people. Oh, why are, why do you want to do a drag show at a uh, school? Uh, because I want angry Christian parents to get mad about it. Uh, okay. So like, why are you going to do this? Like pride parade where you guys are like literally banging each other on floats. Oh, uh, because I want parents to get upset that their children saw it. Yeah. And it's like, um, why like oh because i hate them and i want them angry like them getting angry is what excites me yeah yeah it's all about it's a again they they it's like they hate their they see us as their political enemies they hate their political enemies and everything makes sense when you real when you view it as this is all a coordinated campaign to to attack what they see as their political opponents Mm mm-hmm It, it it couldn't be any more simple. Yeah, exactly. Let's see. So anyway, mostly I, I hope this is why these things these things are unpopular. I hope they fail miserably. Um, and I anything that is anti-trans is probably good. Is probably a positive thing that we should all hope for. Because clearly the they the the bad guys are using the transgender stuff to push and push a message that we aren't going to like, <laughs> and uh, yeah, the 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 less it gets quote normalized or whatever, the better off we all are. Brother, let's not forget that the White House Correspondents' Dinner happened, so the media and the Democrat Party basically had a giant circle jerk uh, in Washington D.C. Um, where they try to all act like they're super cool. Um, and this is uh, this is what uh, Biden had to say at the White House Correspondents' Dinner uh, to, to a raucous laughter from the media, the media who, you know, um, is supposed to, uh, you know, d- democracy dies in darkness and they're supposed to speak truth to power. Uh, well, this is them, quote, speaking truth to power. In a lot of ways, this dinner sums up my first two years in office. I'll talk for 10 minutes, take zero questions, and cheerfully walk away. Yep. yep. I'm going to talk for 10 minutes, take zero questions, 
and cheerfully walk away. Ha 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 You're so amazing, Mr. President. Pathetic. It's just disgusting. Like, I don't know how I don't know how you can be a liberal journalist in America and have a single ounce of um, actual pride in yourself anymore. Like you have to you have to know you absolutely have to know that you are a complete and total shill for a uh, for, for a political party. Oh, yeah. Oh, absolutely. I mean, I would almost argue that that's what journalists have been for a very long time. Well, right. But when you tell when they tell themselves that they're supposed to be. Well, actually, I'll, I'll put it this way. The juxtaposition would be you're a journalist during Trump. And so you're just constantly bitching and attacking Trump. Everything Trump does is the devil, whatever. And you tell yourself. You just t- you just immediately tell yourself you're like, well, this is my job. I speak truth to power. This is what we're supposed to do. This is how it's supposed to be. But. Right. Then. Biden comes into office and it's like. Okay, like we're not gonna we're we're not gonna attack him for anything. Like the guy literally has dementia, but we're not gonna we're not gonna do it. Like we're we're well, we're not yeah, we're not gonna attack if him at you all. You attack Biden, then the then the racists win, mm-hmm. and everything they do is to make sure the racists don't win. They right. View it, then that's it. It 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 should be not surprising to anyone that they behave the way they do. Well, yes that that is that is sure enough. Um. God, it just drives me insane. What else is there? There was, there were other stories. Where are they? I'm, I'm trying to do, I'm like, oh, that's right. Um, By the way, Justice Alito, the guy who wrote the uh, decision that ended up uh, sending Roe v. Wade back to the States, um, says that he, he's pretty sure he knows who leaked the, de- leaked the decision, but he says he doesn't yeah. have the kind of proof. Now, you know, he's a Supreme Court justice. So he says, I don't have the kind of proof. Um, that would predicate being able to actually like point the finger and name the person. He's like, I'm pretty sure I know who leaked it out. So of course the next question was, well, what was like, what, what would the reason be? Why would they leak the decision out? And he, uh, let me actually get his exact quote because, uh, I don't want to dance around it too much because it was pretty, um, good. So, uh, The longtime conservative justice had call, called it infuriating. Look, this made us targets of assassination. Yeah. Um. And at some point, I'd I'd uh, I'd heard another uh, rendition of his quote, which I'm trying to see if they have it. They don't have it in this article that I'm looking at, um, where he he said like the rational reaction. Uh, the rational reaction to the outing of it oh there it is it's rational for people to believe that they might be able to stop the decision in dobbs by killing one of us Mm -hmm. and so yeah like that's that's the shot fired by alito like oh yeah like we're pretty sure we know who who leaked this out uh, and we're fa- and I'm I'm fairly certain that the reason it was leaked out was um because they wanted someone to kill one of us which is amazing since someone did try to do that that is that is the interesting part 
So, I, no. yeah. If I if I was a Supreme Court justice, I'd be very very concerned uh, that someone was essentially trying to assassinate you based on your uh, court decisions. Like that, it that should be beyond the pale in America, and I would imagine a lot of people would think that it is, but clearly it is. It is no longer. Oh, there were members members of Congress defending the idea of it. There were members of Congress that were absolutely saying, "Well, these people are mad." They should like it, they should be protesting outside their homes. There should be accountability for the decisions made by these justices. Mm-hmm. Now, of course, the the left is doing a full court press against the Supreme Court. They're going after every single every single conservative Supreme Court justice. Obviously, there's the Kavanaugh stuff that we all know about, but like Clarence Thomas. They're trying to go after Clarence Thomas now because of some friend of his, you know, like the, he went on vacation with a friend of his that happens to be a billionaire and they go, well, it's an in-kind contribution. It's unethical. He needs to be impeached. Uh, one of the other attacks that we saw was uh, from, uh, I believe it was Amy Coney Barrett. I, I'm not even joking. There, there was a an entire, I don't have the report in front of me, but there was an entire media article about Amy Coney Barrett um, spending money on some, like spending a good amount of money on a person who is now like who now uh, does legal work that is presented before the court or something of that nature they're trying to make it look unethical like well she gave a bunch of money to this other woman who is currently trying cases before the supreme court um they gave a bunch of gifts and everything and so they're like see the un the ethical issue here the actual story 10 years ago they were both law clerks and she threw her a baby shower the horror. Yeah, when they were peers together, um, sh- uh, Amy Coney Barrett threw a baby shower for this girl. And uh, the Democrats are trying to sell that as some sort of ethics violation. Therefore, Amy Coney Barrett shouldn't be allowed to rule on a certain case. Yeah. No, but, I, yeah. I guess it is. It is so obvious that we are not being. That. I guess the left is completely beyond the pale. Oh, I, I, I think it's I, obvious. I, I, it's obvious yeah. that the Supreme Court's going to end up deciding the next election. I think that that's that's what's uh, that's what I'm getting from this. Is okay to me. This says that uh, there's a very serious uh, potential that the Supreme Court of the United States is going to be who determines the next election, and that's exactly why the Democrats sure. need to stack it in their favor. Well, that's very yeah. That's very reasonable. And I think that exactly that should kind of alarm a lot of us. Yeah, because there's no indication why that would be the case. I, I, I'm pretty, um, I'm pretty optimistic, honestly, uh, on 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 the defeat of Joe Biden. I'll, I'll say it that way. I'm not going to say like you know, I'm not going to uh, appoint winners in my head, but I am going to say I'm pretty optimistic on the defeat of Joe Biden. Because he's done such a terrible job. He has hit Americans. It doesn't matter how many platitudes you try to soothe people with and how many nonsense, fear-mongering things that don't actually affect them. Um, That doesn't work as well as people who cannot fill up their gas tank, cannot pay their mortgage, and uh, are being told that they're not allowed to protect their own children. Like... The Democrat Party is targeting the three things you just don't 
you just don't fuck with. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think the, the Democrat Party is absolutely on the ropes. They're unpopular with a lot of their voters. They're unpopular with a lot of people, and, and they know it, which is why you see all of these efforts trending towards essentially extrajudicial or ways to maintain control that are beyond the normal democratic process. That's why you see the uh, all the hate speech laws, why the gun control laws, why the anti-crime laws. Like You see it all happening because they know they're unpopular and they need to create a system where they cannot be challenged politically because they cannot take the actions necessary to make people's lives better enough that they get natural support. No one is going to naturally support the Democrat Party. It all has to be contrived through media manipulation, through shutting down dissent, and through mechanisms of other totalitarian control, because they are ideologically un- incapable of doing the things that would be necessary to create a happy, prosperous country. In fact, I would almost even say their goals preclude the ability. Their goals are not to create a happy, prosperous country, but to tear down a happy, prosperous country so that they have a free hand to, I guess, build something new and institute their great reset. Mm-hmm. Uh, one change that they might be looking at, is, for example, is um, North Carolina, which is now considered a purple state, by the way. Uh, the North Carolina Supreme Court uh, made several key election decisions on Friday, ruling to reinstate a voter ID law and mm. keep uh, the Republican-led redistricting maps in place. Uh, the rulings the rulings were made possible after the court was swung in November from four to three Democrat controlled to five to two. Holy God, five mm. to two. Oh, never mind. That's a one flip. It looked. I don't know why that looked different in my head. Uh, five to two. Um, it's because I had the numbers backward. Uh, mm. The voter ID law. It, the voter ID law enacted in 2018 had previously been thrown out over claims it unfairly targeted minorities. Because you know, um, I don't know about you. Uh, every black person I know can't possibly get an ID. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know a single black person with a driver's license. I've never met one. It's weird. Um, right. That's sorry. That is, is is that true? No. Is yeah. it a, is it a nice thing to say that is a convenient justification for your laws that allow you to manipulate elections? Absolutely, it is. It's, but again, like yeah. everything else, the left does and says it's you. It's not based in reality. It's simply based in what allows me to control the levers of power. Right. Yeah, and it's 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 very. Very strange. Um, but I think I think a lot of this, like we're, we are at the point now where um, we're, we're in the heading into this summer is when we really need to start paying attention to what is actually happening and how these connections are going to be made and what they could lead to. Because this is when the plans start being put in place. This is when the big moves are going to start um, start happening to instantiate this. You know that there are going to be so many of these um, of these different different Democrat activists and operatives that are going to be out in all of these states, quote, making lawsuits about uh, uh, voter protection. Uh, when in reality, what they are is ways for them to usurp people's right to vote. 
uh, to be able to spend millions, if not billions of dollars of activist money um, to silence the voice of the actual voters of that state. Uh, and that's, yeah. that's, that's what this yeah. is. Mm. Yeah, that's exactly what it is. It, it, it's much like how they stole the 2020 election. They're going to try and steal 2024. I will be curious to see if they're able to do it because they won't have the terrifying specter of COVID with which to rewrite election laws and get a bunch of nonsense passed on the right before the election. But we have to recognize that they are going to be trying to do this in every way possible. Now, unfortunately, there's not that much that we as individuals can do about it other than just sort of rattle the cage and be and try and hope that our elected representatives take appropriate action to mitigate these problems. Uh, but that is a that has historically been a difficult uh, thing to do. Right. Oh, and in um, I knew that there was something there's something needling at me in the back of my head that I was like, I have we have to talk about X. And then I kept forgetting what it was and I figured it out. Um, what was that? There, well, there was a shooting, a mass shooting, as they say, um, that will absolutely disappear from the media. Um, and it is that the that there were five people that were killed uh, in Texas. And the reason why it's going to disappear from the media is because any legal immigrant who illegally owned a firearm, illegally possessed a firearm, uh, went and killed. Uh, five people in a home, like went into a home and shot and killed five people to yeah. include an eight year old. Yeah. Uh, this fine future American citizen that we want to welcome to our country who is so just uh, horribly and oppressed. So, in some would say, Mexico. some would say more of an American than you or I. Some would certainly say that that's, that's absolutely true. They would indeed say that. Um, <laughs> Yeah, uh, he was just, you know, as you do, as as every red-blooded American does, just firing a, a rifle in his yard. There was um, probably a win in a soccer match. Yeah, probably. And uh, then the neighbors, who were also also potentially immigrant, they were from Nicaragua, and their immigration status is not clear at this time. So, basically, uh, like, none of these people are actually American. Because it's like they're all foreigners that have come here in the last probably 10 years. Mm -hmm. So we'll start with that. Uh, this guy was just shooting a, his gun in his yard. The Nicaraguan neighbors asked him to please stop so that their child can get some sleep. And his response was, well, your child doesn't need to sleep if I just come and murder it. So I guess uh, this is one of those things where I, I mean, a lot of people will say diversity isn't a strength, but. I think those people are probably just racist because there's nothing stronger than a country where uh, neighbors just murder each other over, uh, you know, things like noise violations while you're shooting a gun at like 9 p.m. in your yard. Clearly, clearly these illegal immigrants are making us such a strong, peaceful and functional country. And uh, only they're only a horrid, horrid racist would ever dare to disagree. Yeah, that's um, I, I remember when it first when it first came out, um, when that first. When that story first came out, all of the libs ran out to immediately make it about taking guns away. And then everyone's like, uh, this is an illegal immigrant. And they were like, oh, 
shit. Because it's like, yeah. You, you, is it now? <laughs> yeah. You know, the easiest way that this could have not happened is uh, having a proper border and actual uh, sanctity. Um, we talked a little bit earlier. Sorry, I, I know I'm kind of jumping around a bit. But we did talk earlier about uh, a lot of the Fauci stuff. Um, yep. But another person is Randy Weingarten. I always forget her name. Randy Weingarten, the, the head of the American Federation of che Teachers and one of the biggest purveyors of people to uh, try and um, close schools down and attack your children, um, had to face some interesting questions from Marjorie Taylor Greene that um, I'm, um, remind me, Alan, are you able to actually hear some of this side audio or no? Uh, not not on not on this uh okay not now no uh, okay uh, uh too easy but uh, there are a couple of questions that i want i want to get your take on but i'll play it for the audience and i'll uh, uh give you an idea of it real quick but here are the questions that were asked that the left is literally having a meltdown over and it makes me entertained because i think that these are uh perfectly fine questions to ask and things that should have been known at the onset uh here's marjorie taylor green by marriage. By marriage, I see. What I'd like to talk about is your recommendations to the CDC as not a medical doctor, not a biological mother, um, and, and really not a teacher either. None of your um, advice was had to do with to stop the spread of COVID-19. It was all about teachers staying home. And there was big results of that. Let me tell you, I am a mother, and all three of my children were directly affected by the school closures, by your recommendations, which is something that you really can't understand. The problem is, is people like you need to admit that you're just a political activist, not a Gentle teacher, lady, not a mother, and not a medical doctor. So here's where they're angry. The question initially that was cut off a little bit here in the audio was, um, she asked, are you a medical doctor? And Randy Weingarten said, I am not. Are you a mother? And she responds with, I am a mother by marriage. Um, That's a weird thing to say. But, right. And, and so... So she said, you know, like, like, uh, uh, as, as, uh, MTG summarized here is you made every, every recommendation you made. And this is true because we brought this up on the show. Every recommendation that this woman made was about keeping teachers home. It wasn't about kids. It wasn't about education. It wasn't about any of these things. It wasn't about safety. It was about teachers staying home. And she very accurately says, you're not a mother. You're not a, like, you're not, you're not a biological mother. Which I'm, I, I feel like that means that she's a lesbian. What? Uh, but I'll, I'll, I'll get to this in a second, because she called it. Um, sorry, the response here from Randy Weingarten is that uh, Representative Marjorie Taylor Greene's uh, line of questions were vile and homophobic. Vi and homophobic. Yeah. So I mean, I guess it's not that shocking, but I guess I, I, I'm, I'm assuming that that means that Randy Weingarten is a lesbian. Not a mother by marriage. That's interesting. She's a mother by marriage, which I mean, or, it could happen, okay. right? Or, like, like you or could she married, or she's a stepmother. That's what I mean. Like, yeah, she's a stepmother, but but yeah. you wouldn't call that homophobic. No. Yeah. Now, and I understand it. Like, I know plenty of people that are step parents, and I think that that's wonderful. But the point that Marjorie Taylor Greene is making, and by the way, this resonates with every single like woman. Um, every single woman who has, ha who has given birth to a child, uh, is going to respond with, it is not the same. 
Um, Now, that's not an argument I need to get into. The fact of the matter is, she's not a teacher, she's not a medical doctor, and she's not even a a mother. Um, And yet she's been making all of these decisions uh, that absolutely affect it when it comes to public health. Hang on a second. I actually muted to sneeze this time like a good person. Um, but someone who honestly is, a, a, well, let, let's just be honest. Somebody who is ext- extremely different from the norm, not because mm-hmm. she's gay or potentially gay, not because she's a stepmom, but in a lot of ways you have not, you don't ha- the left always likes to talk about quote lived experiences they always like to sure. talk about sh- stuff like that. This woman does not have the lived experience of any of the people who she is supposed to represent. And going back to that bitterness that we were talking about, where it seems like the gay community by and large just has this anger and rage towards regular families, towards, you know, quote, breeders or Christians or what the hell ever. Is it that crazy? For people to look at someone who is like Randy Weingarten and not think that it's like, yeah, your entire shtick is vengeance and you're going to use my kids. Yeah, no, that's absolutely a a proper way to view this, this sort of thing. Because let's be honest, it's not just the COVID stuff. Do you think Randy Weingarten supports, um, Drag queen story hours in schools? I'm going to guess probably not. Oh, wait, no. I'm going to say probably do. <laughs> yeah. Oh, pardon me. Pardon yeah. Me. Yeah. Do you think like, do you think that the liberal activist Randy Weingarten who just yes. called Marjorie Taylor Greene homophobic? Yeah. Pretty sure she supports drag queen story hour. Pretty sure she supports um, kids being taught at a, an extremely young age about gender identity. Most so, certainly, yeah. But, um, oh, yeah, and by the way, uh, this this was part of the final uh, interview with Randy Weingarten where uh, being talked about it. So she said, for most of that hearing, I tried to actually figure out how to respond to the questions and how to tell the story to the camera when they let me talk. But what she did was, it's just dehumanization And it was this dehumanization that you see autocrats do and you see people who don't want to solve problems do. And what's unfortunate. Autocrats are the worst. And what's unfortunate is that it's so mean that I. It's so mean that I can take it. I'm a public figure. She added, but it's just a matter of the undermining of people, the undermining of trans kids the undermining of the other. So I felt like I was taking one for the team, but the vile homophobic nature of it was pathetic. And the undermining of families was pathetic. Families, huh? Families. Which yeah, families? Yeah. What family, what families are being undermined by uh, Marjorie Taylor green, uh, demanding that you explain why, why the hell you locked kids down resulting in, by the way, terrible literacy rates, awful schools. I remember getting a letter from the public schools here where I live mm-hmm. where they were, I, I, if I'm, if I remember correctly, 
Two thirds of the students in high school, two thirds of the students in high school had at least one failing grade at the beginning of this year. That's shocking. Yeah. That's how much you, you screwed our kids up over the goddamn flu. I still have not heard of a child dying of COVID. Uh, That's because I don't think children do die of COVID because um, that's what the science generally says. But we no need to concern ourselves with that. Who the hell am I to question the science and then when the science refutes its own science? Uh, Exactly. (laughs) Yeah, you know, I mean, even even the New York Times is starting to talk about um, uh, science. Uh, well, even the New York Times is starting to talk about some of the issues that might come from vaccines. Yeah. So remember, they're trying to rewrite it. I never suggested we lock down. It's just that everybody in the United States decided voluntarily to lock themselves down. There certainly was no government force used there certainly was no coercion uh there certainly wasn't any sort of uh, extortion applied to regular americans to force them to stay at home of course not no we would yeah. never do that because we're so nice i certainly we wasn't just want things to be good because we're nice people not like these racists i certainly wasn't initially like i was i certainly wasn't initially told by my job that I had to get vaccinated by a certain date or else I would no longer have employment. Uh, we would, they would never do that. Cause that would be mean. Yeah. Luckily good people push back on that, but there are a lot of people who didn't get that pushback. There were a lot of people who had to choose between having a job and being able to feed their family or not getting the vaccine. And yeah. regardless I understand this and I don't, we don't need to like relitigate it again. I understand people who are upset over like just, they wanted to see more of a pushback and more of a fight against the vaccine. I, I totally understand. Yeah. And, and I know a lot of people were just like, oh my God, like we, we basically, we need a group of heroes to fight back against it. And then a lot of people are like, well, I don't want to lose my job. And I get, I, I get the argument where people are like your retirement, you know, shouldn't be more important than your freedom. Because this is a this is a theme that we bring up when we talk about like corrupt FBI agents. Like go speak out against the corruption. Oh, I don't want to lose my pension. Anyway, point is, when it comes to the vaccine, we should have never ever been put in that position in the first place, and there needs to be an absolute reckoning of the mm-hmm. people who did this to us. And by the way, that includes Donald Trump. Yes, it does. And I think that's, that is my biggest disappointment with Trump is that he has not, I guess, disavowed his role in the, in pushing the back in the way the vaccine got pushed on people. Yeah, no, he and lies really about Really, all the, um, basically like destruction of civil liberties under COVID. Like, he was the president. He should take a little bit of responsibility. He needs to take responsibility for what he oversaw uh, in 2020. And uh, I hope he does. But boy, it seems like a losing proposition. If he if he came out, and even if it was squishy, but if he came out and was like, look, um, I got bad advice. 
and I should have, you know, even even if he says, you know, my gut told me it was a bad idea and we shouldn't do it, but I, you know, I I I didn't want to see Americans die. I didn't want to blah blah blah. Whatever the, you know, even if it was something that was kind of lame, where it was just like the smarty smarts in the room told me this, and I went along with them even though I really didn't want to. If it was kind of not a full apology. But as long as he explained that he did make a mistake, number one, wouldn't lose a single voter. Completely agree. Yeah, no, nobody so, would nobody would care. Yeah, but he won't. He won't do that. And that bothers me because it means he could get bamboozled again. Agreed. And that's, and that's what I don't, that's what makes me nervous about a Trump 2024 run mm-hmm. is that, He's does not have a very good track record on some of these things. And I don't know that he would admit um, that he doesn't have a good track record on these things, I guess. Learn from your mistakes. That's all we want. Yeah. But if you're, if you're going to walk around and act like you never made any mistakes, then you're not going to learn from them. So at some point, some shit lib in some department that no one's ever heard of before is going to come out and make some recommendation and Trump's going to go along with it. Like, prove that that won't happen again. That is what makes me nervous. I, I don't face, well, I think a lot of it is I don't trust that Trump is going to make the those proper decisions. Right. Or or receive proper advice, because let's just be honest. Like, I we've, we've said it a lot here, but, you know, we are going to start heading more and more into primary politics, which I do have a clip I have to play as well, having to do with primary politics. But, um... The Trump team, the people who are advising and um, out there promoting Trump on social media, they're absolutely losing me. Mm-hmm. Team Trump, the machine, is convincing me daily to not vote for Trump. And I really, sure. really, really like the guy. But they are doing just such a garbage job because once again... They're spending all their time whining about Ron DeSantis, who everybody also likes. Yeah, that's why I think a lot of the, I mean, I've said this before. I think a lot of the anti-DeSantis or anti-Trump, the whole Trump-DeSantis feud, I think, is contrived. Yeah. It's either contrived or it's part of a greater uh, greater operation because, uh, okay, it's either that. Like, I think we said this before on the show, too. This is either part of a greater operation or the Trump team is completely retarded and should not be taken seriously. Those are the two options you have. Yeah. Because I'm, I don't know about you. I'm worried about what Biden does. Yeah. Oh yeah, for sure. But I, 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 I'm, I'm worried about you fighting Biden. Um, I'm, I'm not worried about DeSantis. Uh, like if DeSantis becomes president of the United States, I, I'm, almost certain I will be happy. If Donald Trump becomes president of the United States, I'm almost certain that I will be happy. Neither of those prospects make me concerned for my freedoms. Maybe there's certain uh, aspects of each that I would like more than the other, but I'm not concerned that I'm going to lose this republic. But Joe Biden, 2024, I am concerned that he will destroy this country because right now he is literally running the economy into the ground and sleepwalking us into World War III. I need I need Team Trump to care more about that than calling than saying Ron de Sanctimonious. Yeah, I agree. I completely agree, and I think a lot of people do. 
especially a lot of people yeah really don't like this or at least don't support this weird trump desantis feud and again we're i mean the election is many many months away um i i don't know i uh, it's hard to see how to read the tea leaves on where this stuff kind of goes well and especially when the bench like let's be honest we should all be very proud um that there is a decent bench of republicans if you really think about it uh you know for example well we don't just have a couple of darling well first of all we have two darlings once again in the republican party uh ron DeSantis has not declared although my predictions if you'd like to know i believe he's going to declare around may 5th um because that is the end of the legislative session in florida and uh, Ron DeSantis has said that he would not make a de- if he were to make a decision, it wouldn't be until the end of the legislative session. And for those of you who don't know, a lot of times in states, uh, they don't have Congress in session all year. They come in for a few months, do congressional things, and then they leave. And the reason why is a lot of them actually still keep their jobs. They're like regular day jobs. And so they do these ah. breveted legislation sessions. Because let's be honest, like state politics doesn't require require a twenty four seven apparatus, um, right? And much closer to the people. Point is, end of that legislative session is May uh, May fifth, I believe. That's when Ron DeSantis would announce. That's when we're going to hear about it because he does have to get that announcement out. It has to happen before this summer. Now, sure. With that being said. Um, We have a great bench. You have Ron DeSantis. You have Donald Trump. That's a really good bench of people. In Congress, we still have a lot of people. We played Marjorie Taylor Greene. You have Lauren Boebert. You have um, uh, 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 Matt Gaetz. And then you have Paul Gosar. You have all these, like, very firebrand politics. And then you still have some of the other people like um, Rand Paul and Ted Cruz uh, that are sitting there in the Senate, in the House. There's a lot of state-level politicians that are doing a good job. We have a very deep bench when you talk about politics and potential presidential contenders for the next several election cycles in the GOP. What about the Democrat side, though? They picked Joe Biden, which is interesting enough. The only other real choices they have are what? Gavin Newsom from California, who's not really that popular, except for if you're a coastal elite and the donor class. So he's about all they have. Well, and I think with a lot of these, there is an element, much like with Hillary Clinton, there is a lot of people that will vote for the Republican regardless. Or imagine this guy, Gavin Newsom. How many Republicans will vote for whoever the Republican candidate is simply to deny Gavin Newsom being president? I think I think a great number. I think a lot more. This is why there's part of me that almost hopes DeSantis gets it, because I think liberals will not turn out in as big of numbers to stop DeSantis as Republicans would turn out in as big of numbers to stop someone like Gavin Newsom or, or Biden again or Biden again. Yeah, exactly. I think that, and that's what I don't know. I I feel like if it's Trump, there is a, the, the downside of a Trump candidacy Mm -hmm. is it will be weaponized and motivating to liberal voters. Trump does people that energize may, may the left. forget the, the, when voting is. People that might not send in their mail-in ballot. A lot of the the non-fake voting 
of the Democrat Party, I think, will be more galvanized to vote against Trump than to vote against DeSantis. Yeah. So there's that. I think there's a lot of benefits to Trump and benefits to benefits to both. But so one thing that would be a negative towards a Trump candidacy in 2024 is the ability for the media to weaponize it and embolden normal Democrat voting Americans who might otherwise not vote thinking that DeSantis is not as big a deal. Or, and again, a lot of Democrat voters are probably not too excited to vote for Biden. I... I think that that's a uh, entirely accurate because Biden is, no, like I, I don't think that Biden energizes the left, but to your point, Donald Trump does. Yes. Do Donald yes, Trump energizes true. the left and Donald Trump energizes the left, not in a good way. And that is a concern that people have brought up and it is a legitimate concern. And it is something that needs to be brought. It needs, it needs to be brought to the fore and explained, especially, and let's just be honest here. Trump constantly talks about how the election was stolen. He constantly talks about how the election was stolen and all these other things that occurred. Awesome. What are you going to do to make sure it doesn't happen? Because right now it looks a lot like Donald Trump says, well, um, the elections are all a farce and they're stolen by the left, but you should vote for me in these elections that are a farce and stolen by the left. Yes. Um, and the, you, you got to figure something out. You can't just be a dumbass all the time. And also, by the way, sorry, real quick that I'm going to, I'm going to dive into this a little bit deeper as well, but this is the reason why I'm excited for the bench. When I talk about it is Nikki Haley did exactly the thing earlier this week of why I think that the old Republican party needs to go away and why I'm so excited that someone like Trump came in and like the America first politics happened is Nikki Haley, who let's just be honest, was very politically savvy, couldn't help herself, but go back to early two thousands Republicanism and prove exactly why number one, why we are at where we are now with all the problems that we have with the left. And number two, why people like her will be entirely ineffective in doing anything to save this republic. Here's Nikki Haley on yeah. Fox News earlier this week. The issue, and that's not productive. Ambassador Haley, I want to um, ask you about what could be another Republican candidate uh, in the field, and that is Ron DeSantis. We just learned a few moments ago that Disney is now suing the Florida governor for alleging uh, an alleging political effort to hurt their business. We've all been watching this back and forth for quite some time. Uh, this is obviously dramatically escalating the feud between Disney and Ron DeSantis. Uh, they're alleging that the Republican governor has waged a, quote, relentless campaign to weaponize government power over the company. What is your reaction to that as we still have yet to see him jump officially into the race? You know, as governor, I took a double-digit unemployment state and I turned it into an economic powerhouse. Businesses were my partners because if you take care of your businesses, you take care of your economy, your economy takes care of the people and everyone wins. And so that's the way we dealt with it. We are, South Carolina was a very anti-woke state. It still is. And if Disney would like to move their hundreds of thousands of jobs to South Carolina and bring the billions of dollars with them, I'll let them know. I'll be happy to meet them in South Carolina and introduce them to the governor and the legislature that would that would welcome it hey oh good so 
Uh, Ron DeSantis fights back against Disney, who got upset because so just just to remind everybody what the actual situation was, um, the Florida legislature wrote a bill called the uh, uh, Parental Rights and Education Act. Uh, don't say gay bill. Yeah, which they called the don't say gay bill. But it was the Parental Rights and Education Act, uh, which said uh, don't teach uh, kids below eight years old about like sex. Uh, don't don't put don't teach them about sex. They don't need to know about gender identity. They don't need to know about uh, homosexuality. Like, 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 let's not do this with little kids. That seems inappropriate. Uh, and Disney went, my God, how dare you? You're attacking the, once again, uh, not, uh, not sexualizing kids. This is an assault upon the LGBTQ. Um, strangely enough, once again, seemingly, uh, we're not making that connection. <laughs> it's the left that seems to make that connection every single time. So if you're, if you're tired, if, uh, if you're an LGBTQ person or advocate and you're tired of being called a groomer, you need to talk to the left because they keep attaching you to sexualizing children. Anyway, um, so Disney decided to get involved. Doesn't matter. And then everybody knows that Ron DeSantis said, well, if you're going to get involved in politics, you're not going to get this special like legislative area. Doesn't matter. What was uh, Nikki Haley's response? So let's start here. Um, everybody in the GOP is concerned. All GOP voters, all the voter base in the Republican Party is very concerned over the weird stuff that the left is pushing. They're very concerned over the sexualization of children. It is a hot topic you cannot ignore. There's zero way you and your uh, advisors don't know uh, that this is a very big deal to your voters and the people who will support your campaign. But, but Nikki Haley, once again, cannot help herself. What's her response? Well, if Ron DeSantis wants to go toe-to-toe -to -toe with a business... I mean, we always partnered with businesses in South Carolina, and I'd be more than happy to let uh, let Disney, with their uh, you know thousands of jobs and their billions of dollars, come to South Carolina. Oh, okay. So uh, it doesn't matter that a company will spend billions of dollars against the wishes of your own voters. It doesn't matter that a company will push transgender ideology on young children in your public schools. It doesn't matter that a company will spend billions of dollars against parents being able to have rights to their children because um, they'll just add to the GDP. And that's what matters. That's what Nikki Haley just told every voter in the United States and just sunk her entire presidential campaign. But Nikki Haley is not alone in the GOP with that opinion. Right. That's the problem I have is, oh, it's fine, guys. The free market will just work it out. Yeah, that I, that is the that's what I think we have been critical of the GOP for a long time is the idea that, oh, the free market's just going to make it all work. And I think that that is increasingly showing that it's not necessarily true. This is actually how we kind of started the program today was talking about how these corporations, these NGOs, like they, they are taking actions that the free market would otherwise restrict them from. Like they, sh they shouldn't be doing the things that they're doing, but they are. And it is 
I think, difficult for us to reconcile that with these ideas of the free market. Well, that's the problem. It's number one, it's because we don't have a free market. Absolutely. And number two, shit heels like like Nikki Haley won't do anything to fix it. Do you think Nikki Haley would stick her neck out and go like legitimately and legislatively go against ESG? Because of course not, because she'd be stripping businesses of potentially billions of dollars in funding. And that's what fuels the GDP. So no, she's not going to fight ESG because, well, but uh, unemployment and stuff. So you would absolutely allow a non-free market, non-pressures from the market itself. The whole reason why everyone sat there and looked at Bud Light, for example, and said, why the hell would you put a transgender idiot as like someone on a can of beer that appeals to like middle middle to to lower income people um and primarily men why the hell would you do it well because it wasn't for the actual people who buy the beer it was for the financiers and for the ESG lenders at BlackRock and Vanguard like that's why yes. because you don't matter believe it or not everyone believe it or not with the way that the market is set up these days the person buying your product actually matters the least uh yeah that's, that's an unfortunate unfortunately that is true that because the way that government is leaning on a lot of businesses and private entities, there is so much more to be gained by towing the orthodox line rather than pursuing a profit motive. And, and I think maybe that's the maybe that is the issue that we have come to face is if you are pursuing a profit motive, you would be marketing towards the majority of Americans. But the sort of mainstream cultural emphasis is on rejecting, alienating, and attacking normal Americans. And so if you're a company that doesn't want to run afoul of the government, media, NGO, banking cartel, you have to do things that essentially attack your, what were your customers. Mm -hmm. And it leaves them with almost no recourse. Right. And it, 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 It is a, it was a, it's a fascinatingly stupid thing. And it, it just, it's the problem. It is the main problem when we talk about neo, neoconservatism and this milquetoast conservatism that they have is there. They, they are so easily tricked or ideologically compromised. It can go either way. But they're either ideologically yeah. compromised or they're so easily tricked that they do dumb shit. And by the way, this is actually a really good lesson. Since we're talking about primary um, politics, for those people who wonder why uh, there are, uh, say, for example, like Donald Trump supporters that are very nervous when it comes to Ron DeSantis, it is legitimately that they're worried that Ron DeSantis is going to be like Nikki Haley. That is the concern that they have. And this is a good thing for the DeSantis camp to understand is look at that, like Nikki Haley, who was a hero and a darling of the Republican Party from about 2000 and I would say like what, 2008 or nine, all the way through like 2015, 2016, was a huge darling of the Republican Party. And then she said something this damn stupid 
the worry that they have is that Ron DeSantis is going to be easily cowed in the same way. And I understand it's weird because we're literally talking about them having the opposite thing. The concern is, is that some of this neocon bullshit that is divorced from actual reality might be sitting there in Ron DeSantis's brain and he ends up doing something stupid. Or at least he's, you would have to admit that he's as vulnerable to this sort of thing as any establishment GOP politician. Exactly. Well, he yes, is, he is. He is vulnerable because he is not. I mean, actually, every GOP politician is going to be vulnerable, vulnerable to this sort of thing. They're going to have legions of advisors and such that are all of the same establishment telling them, no, no, you need to, the only things you should care about are GDP and jobs and don't focus on any of this culture war stuff. But the problem is the culture war is where all of this is happening. And I think that's, to me, that's, that's, that's kind of my major point is the, this, the culture war is the, is more important than GDP. It's more important than pretty much any other concern. I would say even more important than defense, the national defense, because with, what is the what what would the military be trying to defend if America has been completely subverted? Well, that's a very good point, and I think a lot of people would agree with you if we're going to be completely honest. Um, mm-hmm. But you know, of course, we we would love to know uh, y'all's opinion on it. So be sure to you know kind of chime in. Let it let us know. Give us uh you know give us some comments and everything. It's the first time that we've thrown this up on Rumble. Uh, we will get the podcast obviously posted for those of you that like to have it on audio, but make sure to subscribe to both subscribe to rumble, subscribe to the podcast, because like, seriously, why not um, get it in every, every which way you can and be sure to share this with your friends. But this is going to have to be it um, for us for the time being. Um, we will be back uh, next week, although it may not be live. Uh, lots of things going on, but do not worry. Uh, you know, we're, we're not going to let you down, but um, you know, obviously we're going to have a, marvelous time uh and continue to be here so follow us on rumble so you can pick it up um and at some point we'll end up uh, getting all of the stuff set up properly so we can have proper outro music but for now uh just be sure to subscribe and go over to subscribestar.com forward slash wrong think radio where you can help sponsor the program i'm aaron from the east coast i'm alan from the west coast and this